Hello, welcome to the Landscape Ontario podcast. This week we're featuring the audio from LO's COVID-19 Task Force Town Hall held on April 28, 2020. The task force was joined by marketing and communications expert Jason Bowman from Compass Creative to talk about generating employee, client, and public trust. If you like this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, all of that good stuff. But first, enjoy this week's program. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. LO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit dynascape.com for details. Hi, everyone. We are live now. Thank you for coming. Uh, welcome to this week's town hall brought to you by the Landscape Ontario COVID Task Force. The purpose of these meetings is to provide you with the latest news, to answer questions you may have, to prepare you to work safely, and most of all, to bring together our awesome landscape and horticulture community so that we can support and encourage each other. It is so important as we collectively experience this COVID crisis that we know we are not alone. As people, we aren't meant to be alone. We are way stronger together. This week has been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. We have been in constant connection with and communication with our politicians. We keep receiving hints that we'll be one of the first sectors explicitly allowed to work. And the landscape and garden center professions are working in all provinces except Ontario. Most of the US states have opened up as well. We are hoping that it, we were hoping that at yesterday's press briefing, the premier was going to mention our sector, especially since on the weekend community gardens were declared essential. We were disappointed when he did not. However, we remain positive. It is much easier for the outdoor professions to protect our employees, clients, and the public. The theme of this week's webinar is preparation. We want to prepare you to work in a safe manner. We also want to underscore that we will be working in an atmosphere of scrutiny. What you do and how you do it will be closely observed by your employees, clients, and the general public. Today's topic is all about cultivating a, public, a positive public image. We've asked Jason Bowman to be our guest. Jason owns a company called Compass Creative. They specialize in capturing the essence of a company's culture and communicating that essence in an effective and authentic way. In a way, Jason and Compass Creative are master storytellers, and they have helped many members clarify and communicate their company's values and purpose. Jason will talk about generating employee, client, and public trust. After Jason's presentation, we will open the discussion to questions from the audience. We also have Alan White, Dave Wright, Jamie Riddell and Peter Ganane from our task force on hand to talk about what they are doing to portray a positive public image. So without further introduction, let's welcome Jason Bowman. Jason, it's all yours. All right, thank you very much, Tony, and uh, hello, everyone. Uh, over the last month, um, we've just heard a lot of people asking this question, how should we be marketing and communicating right now? And um, today we wanna give you three things um, to think about and consider and to do really, uh, to generate trust in a climate of fear. Uh, we're all encouraged, of course, at this time to step up our leadership and communications is a big piece of that. And we wanna see you come out the other end of this crisis uh, with, with stronger and more clear communications that, that, than ever before. Um, I'm gonna share my screen and just walk through a, a, a few slides. I've presented a few things to share with you.
also want to thank the uh, Landscape Ontario COVID Task Force uh, right out of the gate here for the great work that you're doing. Um, we applaud the initiatives of webinars like this one, and uh, we have we've been following along and, and listening into the to the ongoing conversation with interest. Um, and that conversation seems to be a lot of it has to do with going back to work. This this sort of point that we're at right now, and and a lot of the conversation. Um, circles around sort of these four main aspects. There is the safety aspect. There's the legal aspect. Is the government allowing us to go or not? And I know this, the task force has had its uh, work cut out for it, trying to get clarity around that issue. Also the issue of liability. Is our insurance uh, company going to cover us? And then there's this um, aspect of perception. What will people think of us? And I think that's where we're going to spend uh, some time talking about today. There is a risk here for your brand. And um, you know, I've been talking to Alan a little bit about this too, but a crisis can really make or break your brand. Before we get into some of those things. Um, Jason, can I just double check? Sorry, you? there goes my phone. You, Before we get into you, some of those things, I just want to define three terms. Jason, is your screen brand, shared? You know? message, and marketing. I think it'll just be helpful to quickly uh, review these as we as we have this conversation so that we- uh, Hey, Jason, can, can I yes. interrupt you for a second? Yes. Uh, your screen is not shared. Uh, uh -huh. So maybe you can try again. It's that top, top uh, in the middle button there. There we go. We good? We are good. Okay, great. Thanks for that. So brand is really your reputation. It's um, it's it's more than a logo. It's more than your graphic identity. It's it's really sort of the, the sum of many many parts. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, message. What is it that people need to hear from you right now? What's the story? What is it that you need to tell people? And then marketing is really how are you going to get that message out there? That's how we define those, those terms, and that's how we'll be using them in this presentation too. Something to note here, um, that while you do in large part get to control the message and the marketing, you don't really get to control the, the brand, the reputation of your brand. The brand is not so much what you say it is, it's what other people say it is. And so your brand lives largely in the minds of others. You don't fully control that. Uh, you might think of it this way. Uh, your brand is really the sum of, of the following. What you say you can do for people, how you say it, what you actually do, and how you do it. Your brand reputation is, is, is in large part determined by your actions and behaviors, almost more so than it is by the, by the design of your logo or your, or your trailer wrap, uh, for example. It's literally the sum of thousands of little choices and actions and touch points. Um, branding is a long game. So for those of you who've been intentional about building your brand over time, uh, you're going to have an advantage at a time like this. Uh, you can focus on refining and, and, and pivoting and, and making uh, revisions to it rather than scrambling to divine, define it from scratch. As the, as the uh, landscaping profession is allowed to go back to work, uh, 
it, it'll be good to be aware uh, how many people are watching you and sort of watching every move. And um, it, it'll just be good to be aware of that and be sensitive to that. Successful brands uh, are going to pay close attention to where people are at. That includes the circumstances that they're in, uh, the problems that they're facing, and there might be some unique problems uh, that people are facing at these times, and really paying attention to how those things are making them feel. This is a time for you to be empathetic. Uh, that's always true, of course, but especially now. I think emotions are high, people are scared, and you want to be very sensitive to that and also help your teams uh, become very sensitive to that. Not everyone is going to be happy to see you go back to work. Uh, there may be some criticism for that. Uh, and, and I would just suggest here not, not to rush to judgment. Um, they're, they're, these are good people. They're just likely going to be very scared. And like we said, emotions are high, so, so be sensitive. Also, I think you ought to be aware that you're going to be representing more than one brand. Um, there is your personal brand, that's, that's brand you, it's your personal reputation, how you lead and act and conduct yourself. There's the, your company brand, so that's you together with uh, you and your employees and all the other stakeholders in your business. All eyes will be on you, and so there's a reputation uh, that you'll be uh, managing as well. And then there's also the, the professions brand, or reputation. And that includes the reputation of all the other members in this webinar, and all the folks involved with Landscape Ontario, you're all in this together. Um, as much as you like to differentiate yourself from each other in the marketplace, you are also unified in a sense by your professional label and your specific customers will appreciate your differentiation, but the general public is more than likely to identify you by your profession. So how do you manage all of that? A uh, couple things, three things really. First thing um, we recommend is just to check your mindset. We want to put others first, we want to expect criticism, and we want to manage our behavior. As eager as you are to get back to work, uh, we have to be cautious about making up for lost time or revenue. Consider others first. Be sure you've made it safe for your employees, safe for your clients, safe for the public. Um, you ought to be talking to your employees about the plan and make sure uh, they know what's expected of them, especially when they're on, on site. Uh, the, you, they may be required to, to wear masks, for example, even if that's only to put others at ease. Uh, we can have lots of debates about whether those things are effective or not, but sometimes we're gonna, we're gonna do things just because we know that it puts other people at ease. Be sure that your clients actually want your help right now. I know that that sounds sounds obvious, but uh, you're eager to get back to work, but some people might be a little bit hesitant. Just make sure you're communicating there and, and being, being sure that they want you there. And if they do, be mindful that their neighbors might not share that same, uh, same perspective. They might not want you in the neighborhood, particularly if you're showing up with, with multiple vehicles, uh, with, with people driving separately. There's always been a tension, and we've seen this tension in, this, uh, in, in the ongoing conversation over the last month between protecting life and maintaining livelihoods. And uh, we've had to swing hard to protecting life 
and we've been out of balance there for a while. But as we move back toward addressing livelihoods, just understand that not everyone will have the same perspective on timing or the same perspective on the need for the services that you provide. So be thinking of others, expect some criticism. I think by doing that, you'll be better prepared to engage in a winsome way. And again, the companies who've been intentional about developing their team culture will be able to make these adjustments and adapt much easier than companies who have maybe not invested in this thinking. There's going to be a bit of a scramble uh, to, to build that empathy and to build that cohesion on your team around these things. Second thing uh, to do would be to clarify your message. Uh, be sure to review it and, and look at it through the lens of what is, what is it that people need to hear from you right now? Um, we suggest the following at the very least. People need to hear that you have uh, COVID safety measures in place at your company. Um, I think they also want to know that you have a plan for working together. You might want to consider if anything has changed at your company uh, to share that with folks. Any new or revised products or services. If there's anything that's changed to payment terms, changes to process. Um, and also just about how are you going to make people aware of when you'll be on site and for how long. Uh, those might be important things to share with people. Adjust the tone. Uh, this is not a, not a time to be cute and clever. Uh, I would avoid, you know, COVID puns for the time being. Um, just really look at the message and say, hey, is anything we're saying or the way that we're saying it, uh, could that be perceived as being insensitive at this time? So that, that's something else to, to take a look at. You might also be adjusting from more of a qualifying position in your marketing to one more of lead generation. So I know that in, leading up to this crisis, many of our clients did not have trouble finding the work. They had lots of work. There, were, there was more of a challenge to find uh, you know, good talent to join their teams. And so a lot of, a lot of the work that we've been doing uh, in marketing has been to qualify leads harder so that they're only getting the best uh, qualified leads coming in. The, that, that's going to drop at a time like this. And so you might need to adjust to open up uh, the message a little bit to, to invite more leads uh, than you have been in the past. So that might be another area um, to look at and to adjust. Be sympathetic. Be clear. Uh, if there's one thing you can do to help people right now, it's just be clear. Be succinct. Be honest. Be helpful. Always be helpful. And be hopeful. Maintain a positive, uh, positive attitude. We want to maintain professional standards of presentation. It's, it's not the time to ignore your company colors or fonts or imagery. Uh, Paul Rand says that design is the silent ambassador of your brand. It's, it's not the content uh, of the brand, but it's certainly important. So uh, take care to maintain your design standards uh, in any collateral that you'll be, be, be producing to, um, to communicate during this time. It's, it's a little bit of uh, a challenge because we, we do want our COVID messages to stand out from everything else. We want them to be noticed. We want people to take note that they're there and read them. And so uh, I think through design, uh, there's things that you can do to make that message stand out. But even while it's standing out, it should still look like it belongs with, with the rest of your messaging. And then we want to communicate. 
communicate, communicate, communicate. There's a, a, a couple different points under this one, uh, but the first thing would just be to update your website. There are a lot of people in their homes looking at your website right now. Um, Forbes has reported that internet usage is up anywhere from 50 to 70%. So just make sure that your website's up to date. And again, a couple specific things here to add would be a COVID notice bar. This can go right at the top of your website underneath the, the main header. There should be a bar there that says, uh, this is what we've done about COVID, read about it here. And that should link to a COVID page. So make sure you have a page with, with some content on there explaining to people the measures that you've taken. You can also uh, consider adding an instant messenger uh, function to your homepage. This will just give people the option to, in a non-committal way, to reach out and, and ask questions. Um, just makes them feel at ease that there's there's something that they can do to reach out and, and talk to someone. So those are three specific things that you can do to your website. Uh, if you and if you have, um, you know, if you have the resources to do this, it would be also a great time to add something uh, called a lead magnet. It's just it's basically a resource that you would offer to people in exchange for their email. With all that increased traffic, it would be a good time to um, to offer some helpful information and um, get people's emails, uh, their addresses, so that you can continue to communicate with them. Here's just an example of um, one of our clients, how they've handled the, the notice bar. You'll see it, um, that dark green bar right under the header. There's a, an orange link to the COVID page, and this is sort of what their page looks like. That's uh, just a nice, clean, effective way of doing it. Here's um, another page from Plants Creative. Two things I wanted to point out here was the, the date stamping. That's a really helpful thing to add, just given how many, how many times the, the message is, is changing and how much information is, are, is coming our way. It's, it's, I thought that was a really great idea to add that date stamp in there. And in the bottom right corner, you can see how that uh, messaging app shows up. It's just, it's just sort of always there, floating there, and people can always feel like the, they can reach out and connect with you. Also under communicate, I think you want to email your list. Um, companies who've maintained an email list will be ahead here, but this is the first thing you should be doing is reaching out to existing customers, letting them know that you're still here, you're heading back to work, and uh, what they should expect. Invite feedback too. It's, uh, it's good to early on to be listening and what is it that people are wondering about, what questions do they have, what are they concerned about. Social media is another place where you can get your message out post daily on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just remember to stay positive there. Uh, here's, here's some examples of um, what we've seen uh, folks are doing, and these, these are all great. Some just include an image, and they deal with the message in the caption. Some people are putting the message right into the image area, and uh, Shademaster there combining imagery and, and a message. All, all good examples of, of how to, uh, to get a message out there on Instagram. And then the, the last thing we wanted to uh, talk about was maybe just uh, suggest some special signage and collateral. So a couple ideas here was a, a magnet or a, a temporary sticker that you would, you would add to your trailer or to your vehicle. And again, it would, I think what would be included in there would be a phone number or an email that people could reach out to your company um, if they have any questions or concerns. Another idea that you might uh, consider would be some printed cards that you could give to your staff. So if they're approached, they can 
uh, simply hand out a card and not be too distracted and, and not be asked to uh, carry the weight of, of having those conversations. Um, those are some of the things that we've been thinking about and, uh, and are suggesting at this time. Uh, I think I'll just leave it there, um, Tony, and, and throw it back to the panel this, at this point. Wonderful. Uh, thank you very, very much, Jason, uh, giving us a, an overview of all the important uh, uh, elements of, of communication and how important that is in, in, in times of crisis. Uh, so, so the theme really is uh, preparing. I mean, we, we do expect positive news that we'll be able to work uh, in the very near future. Uh, we did think it was yesterday, but, but um, one of the things that, that uh, they did say yesterday at the Premier's uh, briefing was that, that we need to, uh, uh, to as an as a industry, as a profession, we need to convince our politicians that we are able to work safely that we are able to, to um, uh, ensure that our employees are safe, ensure that our clients are safe, ensure that the public is safe. And that's, that's really the criteria, one of the major criteria that, that, that uh, they are using uh, to allow industries to, to operate. So um, I'm going to ask uh, Alan, what, what are you doing to prepare your company? What are you doing to, to like specifically and, and practically uh, what are you doing uh, to, to uh, prepare your employees? Um, and, and what are you doing in terms of communicating to your clients? And what's your your image to, to the public? So we'll start there, Alan. No, thank you, Tony. And thanks, Jason, for that, uh, not even an introduction, but kind of connecting brand and communication to what we're trying to accomplish here in, in business preparation um, to doing the right things uh, in a time where a lot of us are pivoting to deal with new realities. So I know in our company, a lot of it comes down to what you mentioned a couple of times is to communicate, 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 looking at the short game um, while you're, while you're in this, this long-term messaging. So some companies may be more prepared than others with how they've already been communicating with their customers. Um, for us, we started with our employees. We started with creating um, chat rooms for our employees, especially when we were in isolation for a little bit. Um, just so that during normal onboarding process, they all felt part of the team. They all had the same message. Uh, they all had the ability, like you suggested, even with your web pages, to have a, an open chat box so that customers have easy access to your company and your thought process. We did the exact same thing for our employees. Um, and that's ongoing in the field as is, is they run into things. It allows them really quick access to their peers. Um, to their leadership team to quickly deal with problems and the fact that if one asks a question, all of the team sees the same question, all of the team sees the same answer. Um, so that allows live to a real time ability to be at kind of the front of the conversation. Um, we've really done some of the things Jason suggested with having live ability with our customers, um, emailing all of our customers with what our intent was, even when we were going into a process of shutdown. Um, just to let them know that we were, again, empathetic and sympathetic to the situation we were all as uh, Ontarians faced with, um, and we're doing our part, while at the same time looking at how we could pivot our business from a safety perspective, an operational perspective, uh, a scheduling from our, our current commitments in the, in the long term uh, as 2020 was approaching us. Um, and looking at a way to make sure that we were upfront with our, our customers to 
to have the conversations that when we do start to come back out, business is going to be different and what it looked like. So we really spent a considerable amount of time setting expectation. Um, and, and then it also, as Jason's alluded to, making sure that all these points of communication connect because the reality, whether it's the, what the task force here is doing, Landscape Ontario, what I'm doing as an owner of a company, but ultimately what my, my team is doing in the field, we're all connected to the same experience. The larger marketplace uh, is going to understand as it relates to us, which will ultimately dictate how they feel about us. Um, so it's, it is a very multi-pronged approach. Um, it takes a bit of thought process on how to deal with the, the immediacy while building hope and setting expectations so that everybody's going to have a good experience, customers and non-customers alike at the end of the day. Um, and it prepares our team as well to, to handle those, those conversations. And they have the same, they live in families, some have their own uh, responsibilities and bills like the rest of us. Some of the, them live and we've experienced in the task force, just even reassuring family members, um, siblings, relatives that working in an outdoor environment and space is actually a safe environment um, because they have the exact same fears as, as Jason kind of alluded to that the, 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 the outside um, inferences of the outside people watching us because everybody's watching how we're going to behave is, is, is critically important. And I can say firsthand from uh, this experience here at Landscape Ontario and dealing with such a broad spectrum of just not even our own peers, but non-members and the general public um, and a significant number of calls from our employee companies and members, employees and families that, that there is a lot of eyes on the, the situation, but a lot of people looking for answers at the same time. So that's been a big part of our strategy outside just the stuff we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the safety preparation, the right PPE, the right business plan. Uh, the communication piece is the one that really touches people's emotion, their fears, uh, and sets the expectation for the future. Thanks, Alan. Uh, Dave, Dave Wright, um, how did you prepare your company in terms of the policies, the health and safety policies and procedures? Uh, where where did you get the resources from to to develop a, a COVID, a COVID uh, aspect to your policies and procedures, and how do you ensure that your your employees are following through? How do you, how do you actually uh, you know make sure that they understand what the procedures are? Sure. So um, what we started with was um, basically looking at what what is most important, and that is the safety aspect of things. So we came up with like, if we're going to be out there working, um, we need to be, um, number one, have all those policies in place. So we went to um, our, um, our HR uh, um, advisors and had them draft up, well, we drafted one up and then had them review it. Um, they obviously added significant uh, portions to it because they're, that's what they do. Um, and that's EIO is who we work with, and they've done some webinars um, recently uh, for Landscape Ontario. Um, so we also went to the COVID uh, uh, webpage and basically poured through it and found out the little bits that, that worked, worked for us, um, picked and chose the pieces that, that we wanted to work with, and, and put that all together into our, into our documentation. Um, now, all of our staff, or every vehicle carries that information with them. Uh, so every crew has that. Um, so if we are stopped for whatever reason, um, even if it's talking to uh, a bystander on the street, um, they bought the information they needed to have a quick conversation that explains that what we're doing is safe and, and to 
Um, I think the biggest part of it is to is to be looking safe all the time, um, because the um, the visual aspect of it, uh, the optics are 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 super important. You could be doing something that is safe, um, but if the general public doesn't know that it's safe, so it's almost to the point of over overcompensating and make it look even safer, um, so that you're not getting the the negative feedback, um, and certainly having that conversation with employees regularly um I, we're we're doing um a daily tailgate talks with the crews as they go out because we're they do staggered so the obviously the manager has a lot of little talks to do every day um but certainly um talking to the crews about the optics of everything and, and make sure that you know you may feel you're working safe um but go overboard um you know wear masks you know we don't have to um, in, in every situation, but if you're wearing them, uh, we've got um, uh, shields up in our in our in our trucks. Um, some crews are are running uh, uh, two guys to a truck right now wearing masks with a shield between them. So there's things that we're doing um, that we're, we're trying to go a little bit overboard just so that uh, so that the general public feels safe seeing what we're doing. Right. Thank you, Jamie. Um, can Can you comment a little bit about um... You know, job sites where where maybe our our members are are operating uh, safely and 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 they they've they've got the uh, the, the proper information, uh, and others on the job sites aren't. Uh, what yep. do you do? So, uh, continuing the topic from last last week, uh, culture of safety rather than a thing that we do. Um, you know, when you're developing that culture of safety, you need to you need to empower your teams. Um, to handle situations as they arise on the job site. And I've had a lot of feedback from con contractors when they when their crews are arriving on a job site, there may be many other trades there and not following the same safety protocols and guidelines that they are. And they're worried uh, from a brand perspective of being guilty by association, or they're worried of their employees not feeling 100% safe. So when you're preparing your people to go out and work, are we preparing them to understand how to deal with every possible situation that arises? That, that situation could be walking into a backyard and there's 15 people installing a pool. Uh, they're working at a safe distance from each other, but in the space, in order for them to work safely distance from one another, the, our crew can't work safely. So understanding when to, when to, uh, to acknowledge that that is a situation and understanding how to deal with that. So, who do you call? How do you express that to the customer? Who expresses that to the customer? And how do, how do you get the crew aligned and back being productive quickly? Um, because, you know, these situations could change by the minute, by the hour, by the day. Um, there could be varying subtrades or trades on there um, that they will need to be able to react to in a very quick manner and them understanding what your expectation and your procedure to deal with an unexpected, an unexpected situation is what's going to give them the confidence to deal with it properly. And that also breeds um, the, that, that, that culture of safety in that it's the same as asking for feedback and reporting near misses. It, it's allowing them to have the comfort and strength to speak up and deal with the situation appropriately when it arises rather than be reactive. Okay. Peter, uh, have you thought about, uh, you know, what if you're, you know, somebody in your crew um, Gets COVID. Uh, have you have you thought about that in your policies and procedures? Have you talked about 
that to your employees? Like, um, yeah, what happens? So we had, uh, coincidentally, we had a staff member who was going to onboard yesterday and she tested positive on the weekend. So she did not come into work, thankfully. Uh, we did have a, a person in March uh, get symptoms of COVID and he did not come into work. We sent him home. He did not come into work. He got tested and uh, it was negative. So he was able to come back to work. Uh, we do have in our policy, we set up early on in this uh, pandemic, a policy where you would stay home if you were sick and with the um, emergency wage subsidy, we're able to pay our staff to stay home. We don't want them to be uh, disincentivized to stay home. Uh, a lot of people will, you know, if they need the money badly enough, they'll come into work and try and hide their symptoms or play them down because they can't afford to stay home. Um, I mean, businesses, we're all struggling, but our employees are, are, a lot of them are paycheck to paycheck. So they can't afford to miss a day of work. I have staff who, who will come in and work on Saturdays because they need the extra money. And, uh, and I do not want them coming to work if they have symptoms. So uh, that policy has already started to take effect. And right. hopefully it works for us. Uh, hopefully we can keep COVID from taking down a crew, let alone the whole company. Um, and uh, yeah, we, I mean, we're following a lot of the same safety procedures as we're ramping up our work. We have, uh, you know, and, and you touched on it earlier about other crews on sites. What, what we do when we have other trades on sites, that's a challenge that we still have to address. Um, yeah, we have, we've got a few things that we're working on, but, uh, but I, I really appreciate Jason's comments earlier uh, about branding and messaging. We've been doing a lot of the same thing. And, and a lot of that branding and messaging is, is intentionally reflected internally so that my staff understand our message and uh, that they understand when I tell our customers that we have a COVID policy, that it's because we're following it. And, uh, and we have clients that appreciate that. We have uh, three job sites that qualify under the essential work list as it currently stands. We have one of our sites uh, where we did our communication earlier in the season, and they, they qualified under the emergency work uh, list because it was an ongoing residential project with permits, et cetera. But they were uncomfortable having us on site when everyone else was asked to stay home. And uh, we obviously obliged their concerns. And, uh, and that goes back to our brand where we want to maintain our image and, and avoid negative feedback whenever possible. So I really appreciate all the comments that, uh, that we've heard on the panel. And, uh, and it, so far, I think they've all been very helpful. Super. Uh, so just a little bit more on, on that, the, the, the policy, the COVID policy. Um, so, so I'm going to direct this to Alan. Uh, so, so do you actually have a policy that says, um, you know, if, if you are feeling symptoms, stay home? Yes. Is that, is that clearly? Specifically. Yeah. And we have, we've established a flat rate of seven and a half hours just because we had to make up 
because our, our staff work variable hours. So if I said, we'll keep paying you while you're at home, they'd say, well, do I get paid 10 hours a day? Cause that's what I normally work in the spring or do I get paid eight hours? Like, so we had to come up with a, a number that could be applied across the board. And we've written that right into our policy. We can only afford to do that during this uh, period where the wage subsidy is available. I can't do this all year where people feel sick and they stay home and they get paid to stay home. I can't afford paid sick days indefinitely for the year for people to stay home for weeks um, without doctor's notes. So we've currently, we've limited it to match the wage subsidy. Okay. And if the government changes their plans or if we find it's necessary or worthwhile to maintain it beyond that, then we can adjust our policy accordingly. Super. Uh, Dave, yeah. do, you have, do you have similar policies, Dave, in play? Sure. Uh, we have a, a policy where when they when the guys come in in the morning they, they fill out a uh, um, um, basically a small survey uh, that just says what you know whether they were in contact with anybody um, outside of their home whether they were in contact with somebody who had COVID whether they have are showing any symptoms whether they've traveled and uh, part of that policy that's attached to that says that if they you know if they answer yes to any of those they they have to go home. Do you actually uh, take temperatures? We, so we are not taking temperatures at this point. Anybody on the in the panel? Do, do you actually go go that far? No. Well, it's part of our our policy. If an employee has a fever or anything, um, we do. We have had a few situations where in, in the last few weeks, um, that that some staff are coming back um, just to do to various work. That and we do have some off right now because they have been pretty uh, forthcoming. Um, but I do get the other panelists' point where um, as things go on, we don't have subsidies and people are a little longer uh, potentially off work that those pressures might hide certain things. So we have a small enough crew and a tight enough family here that that hasn't been a problem. Um, but you have to have a good feel for obviously your company and teams. I just know our, our employees so far uh, haven't had any problem expressing the fact that they don't feel uh, a little bit right. So here we just automatically ask them not to come in to notify us of the reason um, and to seek medical medical attention and not to return to work until they get a clearance from um, the, their doctor or the uh, the, the provincial health, uh, health hotline, hotline, I guess it is. Okay. Jason, uh, you know, you talked about the, the climate of fear out there. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we as Landscape Ontario have actually received uh, emails from uh, the spouses of employees saying, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're concerned, uh, you know, the company's working um, because they feel they, they, they can work, uh, but we're concerned. How, how do we deal with, with um, helping families you know, to, 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 to deal with this, right? How, 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 do, how do we tackle that? Well, I'm I'm not the I'm not an expert in science, and I, and I know that you guys have done a lot of work on the policy side of things and the safety protocols and procedures. But I think from a communication standpoint, it's good to um, it'd be good to have a channel open for those folks, and they know that they can avail themselves of it, and that when they uh, either call in or email in or just, you know you need to make yourselves available uh, to have those conversations. I think uh, you know sometimes just talking to somebody. Um, is a way of allaying fear, you know, just being able to express it and have somebody listen, have someone validate uh, th those feelings. 
um, that's a that's a huge thing that you can do for people. So I think making yourself available, um, obviously having thought, you know, think it through and, and have a position on it. But uh, from a communication point of view, um, make yourself available and be willing to have those conversations over and over and over again. Right. Thank you. Uh, so I want to get to, to some of the uh, the questions. Uh, I, I love how people are answering each other's questions. Okay, this is this is a great uh, system here. Uh, but there there are uh, some comments on on the chat line about uh, you know how how to deal with with pressures from clients and um, uh, you know how how to deal with those those pressures when you know those clients might actually go to your competitor uh, to hire them. Um, anyone want to comment on that? Peter, want to take that? We've been, uh, as much of what Jason had touched on early on about constant communication. Back in March, we started emailing our clients to discuss what our approach was going to be and, uh, and discuss why we were making the choices not to do our spring cleanups, uh, and such on the, on the properties. And, uh, and they've been positive in their responses. So as far as I know, we haven't lost any of our uh, horticulture customers due to lack of service. Uh, we did have a single person in a vehicle go around and uh, evaluate each site to provide a report on the condition of the site, whether it was safe, trip hazards, blocked drains, that type of thing. And we were able to provide that as a report to our clients to make sure we were keeping their properties from falling apart without doing any of the landscape maintenance that was uh, prohibited in Toronto. Um, and they seem to be appreciative of that. Uh, last week, we uh, purchased potted bulbs for all of our horticulture clients. And I had my horticulture manager drop potted bulbs off for all of our clients uh, as a thank you, something for them to have at home that is maybe a positive image of spring in their house uh, to keep them thinking about us that we haven't forgotten about them. And uh, we got lots of great feedback from that emails of thanks. And, uh, and we're hoping that we can start doing proper uh, property maintenance soon. But uh, but luckily that that constant communication and, and attention for to our clients, and having that conversation with them individually, I think we have maybe maybe 50 or 60 horticulture clients only. So we've been able to communicate individually with them. And, uh, and that's been effective for us. We haven't stolen anyone else's maintenance contracts either. So uh, I feel good about that, but, uh, but I don't think we've lost any either. Alan, yeah. How, how, yeah, how do you answer that? Uh, I, well, I was gonna say the same thing as what, what um, Peter just kind of alluded to. We haven't felt it, if anything, the only attributed customer loss is people feeling the pressure of uh, either insecurity with their job, a, a change in their, their financial situation, uh, have pre predominantly the calls coming in, um, not for going to competitors. And I think a lot of that it has to do with our, our constant communication right from um, kind of March break onward that uh, we were, were keeping them up to date on where we were. We were behaving responsibly, as Jason kind of suggested, is being empathetic to everybody's uh, kind of needs and fears and that we were doing our part to participate while at the same time providing them helpful tips to to manage the situation and reassurance that their landscape wasn't going to fall apart um 
little things they could do on weekends that could assist both of us as we're re-expressing the fact as we have in our brand culture for years, we're working at this as a collective um, on their property and they're as much part of it as we are. Um, and then to just our staff interjecting with positive fun things. Easter was a big time for us. Our staff had various uh, Easter games and things that they could share with families and children um, that was appreciated by our, our clients. So a lot of that information coming back to us is, has all been positive and it all stems back to constant communication uh, and, and constant reaffirmation that this, this is who our brand is and, and what our culture speaks to. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity here to help define um, to where you sit in, in all this fear and, and to provide that hope and, and some positive good feeling about uh, everything that's going on. Alan, have you lost any business to competitors? We, have, we haven't lost any, not that we've been able to see. Um, I think over overwhelmingly, if there's anything the odd customer will say, they're just going to, to hold out a little bit for the spring. They've had some time obviously at home to do um, some work themselves. Uh, we The number of outright canceled or that might that, that would probably speak to most of it it's not because of re, not one customer is left because of moving to competition okay dave how about you you lost any any business i haven't seen uh, in our maintenance division we haven't lost anything uh, even in, in our construction end all of our residential construction is on hold until uh, until we can get uh, that part back working um those clients are, are, are patiently waiting. Um, certainly with maintenance was more of a, a concern. Um, we have lost a couple uh, contracts, but that wasn't really, that was related to the typical uh, spring turnover. We, we have been in communication um, with everybody uh, and keeping them up to date on a, on a weekly basis. Um, and I've been getting lots of feedback saying, well, you know, th thanks for keeping us up to date because they're, they're getting more information from me than what they're getting from, I guess, more pertinent information than what they're getting from the media or from other sources. So um, when you talk about working with the province, trying to come back, uh, you know, talking about safety first and, and um, working so that we can be safe, that, that puts their minds at ease and saying, well, well you know, that makes sense because you know, they're looking out at other at other businesses that uh, that are working that may may not necessarily be safe, whether they're whether they're in our profession or not. Um, even you look at retail stores and so on. There was, there was a point where you know, you're kind of shaking your head, wondering why you know why they're able to work and being so unsafe. Well, well, you know, we can't or we weren't. Right. Uh, how how do you deal with your uh, clients in terms of pressure? Are, are any of your are any of your clients actually pressuring you to, to come on the site? We we didn't because I was communicating and letting them know what our stand what why we were doing and what we were doing. We we were off for um, um, for three weeks and then we started up uh, we started up doing maintenance last week in our municipality, um, and and there was lots of understanding as to as to as to why we were doing what we were doing. We had competitors that were, that, that never stopped. They worked all the way through, uh, and some of our competitors were poaching. Uh, at least I heard they were. Um, I don't know of anybody that uh, that lost work to these guys, but uh, uh, certainly it, it was happening. Um, but there's, you know, we spent that time working on safety, and then we were telling our our clients that you know we're working on procedures, we're working on how we're going to deal this when we get back to work, so that when we did, um, we were doing it properly. Okay, thank you. So I want to uh, look at some of the uh, the questions from, from the audience here. Stephen Smith, uh, how do you deal with clients that want to be first on the list when it restarts? 
So you guys thought about that? Peter. Yeah, that'll be tough because I know typically in April when we do spring cleanups, it takes us two weeks to go through our, our uh, a list of clients once and then we do a second visit for two weeks. And because we've let the properties languish for so long, it's probably going to take longer to get through them even the first time. So I don't know how I'm going to hold off clients for two weeks uh, once they open it up. But uh, uh, one contingency is to put some of my construction crews uh, just to help with that initial spring cleanup, just so we can just blow through it quickly, maybe in that first week. And then, uh, and then uh, at least I can, I can get everything back on track. I, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging to say the least, but yeah, we have, we have backup for our Hort crew to maybe put more people on it for that first week when it happens. Yeah, for us, else want to answer that question? For us, it's not that similar in the sense that the weather's cooperated immensely with, with the cooler weather and, and often on rain. Um, and then different markets uh, having different roles right now um, certainly allows for scheduling. Um, and the customers, again, because of ongoing communication, the majority of our customers that are in holding um, kind of know where they sit that we're all that we're all challenged with the same issues. So we haven't had a whole bunch of pushback from anybody um, related to scheduling, or even if they think because they see a competitor working in their market, we're not out there. Uh, the majority are pretty empathetic with our position too, because of the fact that uh, we're in it with them. So uh, we haven't had an, an issue from a communication standpoint or a scheduling standpoint yet. Anyway, okay. we'll see what the warmer weather. I was just going to say. Tony, this would be something to be proactive about. So I think you can bring clients into your pain too. And uh, it would just be something to reach out and get ahead of and say, hey, we're going to, as we come back, we might be strapped for time, um, but here's what you can expect. Mm -hmm. And again, just give them, a, give them a channel where they can, where they can uh, provide feedback on that for you. Good advice. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Jamie. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is, um, you know, there's a lot of things in your business this year that are going to change. And there's a lot of things that aren't right. So you can proactively deal with the things that aren't changing, like supply chain, right, tools, um, preparedness for your people. If you make sure all those boxes are checked early um, and as a supplier, you know, that that's kind of our goal is to, uh, you know, you want to be proactive and make sure everybody has the things that they need. So when the when it is go time, um, they're not looking for stuff, they're looking at it. And um, I think it, I think it's, it's really critical to be proactive in the things you can control now and understand the only thing that you can't control is when you're going to go and how you're going to do it. But everything else you can control, get your ducks in, in a row and lean on your partners and, and be and have that part set in stone, ready to roll. Um, I've noticed some questions about uh, vehicles and transportation of employees uh, in the vehicle. Um, can you maybe comment on what you're doing? Uh, one person per truck, two people per truck. Uh, how, how are you handling that? I, I know David talked a little bit about, about uh, his, but maybe you can, can uh, chime in again. Sure. Like, uh, how, how did you deal with all that stuff? Like so, the practical aspect of getting people to job sites. We have been, my, my um, give a bit of context here, my, my design build crews, um, have been working all the way through because we're working on large-scale residential condo towers, working on the 12th floor of a building, putting down pavers, that kind of thing. 
Um, so we're working on general contractor sites. Um, there's permits. It, it's all um, been deemed essential. So those guys didn't stop working. And what we did was um, tested our safety protocols with those guys before for the three weeks that my maintenance crews were, were sitting out. Um, we worked on those safety pro protocols and tweaked them because they're different between the maintenance crews and the, and the construction crews um, so that we could then get those guys out and working. So uh, we started off with one guy per truck. Um, certainly with construction, it's a lot easier to send um, uh, the other parts of the crew and their own personal vehicles to the job site. Um, maintenance, our, our first week, uh, our first week doing that, we had, we, we did just that. We had one guy in the truck and then uh, the other crew member, we only have two man crews, uh, were following uh, in their personal vehicle. Um, this past uh, weekend, we had um, a plexiglass shields constructed um, for inside our vehicles between the driver and the passenger. We don't run crew cabs, we run uh, regular cab trucks. Uh, so it is only two people in the truck. They wear masks while they're driving and we've got a shield between them. Um, okay. we, just this week, we started up doing that. Um, and again, the guys are wearing masks in the truck. We've talked about the safety procedures with that and, and uh, um, uh, sanitizing the truck, sanitizing tools, the whole bit. But that's something, again, we're, uh, we spent a lot of money doing this and it's something that we're, we're perfecting. Some of the shields aren't to the standard we want and, and in those particular trucks, we're not, we're not running two people in until, until we get it set up the way we want them to so that we feel that people are safe. Okay. I think Tony is, I think it's worthwhile to understand that this is a, this is as much a dynamic moving target for all of us on the task force and panel. Uh, as we work with government, I know Sally shared a few times, work with workplace safety and prevention um, to also kind of fine tune these. And our biggest anticipation is that when the provincial government does come um, with some clarity over the, the coming days and weeks, there will be details um, of their expectations too. So we need to be fluid in what we're doing. Some of what we're doing is maybe overboard. Um, Dave suggested putting partition plus the masks plus a lot of safety procedures. Right now, I think it's always advantageous to overreact, to put more things in place than um, would probably be deemed necessary. A bit of it for public perception to at least, at least alleviate some of the, the public fear because we don't know whether you're driving on the road, parked in front of someone's house, working in someone's backyard, you don't know the situations Jason was alluding to, to what the surrounding community's pain points are, what their perceived fear is. So I think we need to be cognizant of all those things while protecting our employees, while operating a job site safely, doing it in an efficient manner that uh, is consistent with the expectations we've set in the past, and being able to pivot a little bit to, to deal with these new realities. So um, we don't have all the answers. I know Sally and this task force is working to get as, as much information as soon as we can pass it along, um, particularly as it relates to the government and those that have been following the, the releases across Canada, um, it's different coming out of, uh, out of each kind of corner. So um, we're, we even have our own as a task force anxiety, a little bit of what's Ontario going to do. Um, we can only read so much into what Quebec's doing or New Brunswick or Saskatchewan um, because it, it's clear that they're each doing it in their own way. So as businesses, if we don't have the information, you have to make calculated uh, business decisions. Our advice would be to overcompensate versus undercompensate um, and then work with us as we find new information and work with the government so that uh, we're in as great alignment as we can be as, as these new policies kind of get out, rolled out.
great, great advice. Uh, Peter, how, how are you getting to the job sites? So we have, uh, we've elected to go one person in a vehicle for now until we can find uh, a, a system that is approved. Uh, we did entertain the plexiglass idea. Uh, again, that's an expensive option. Driving one person per vehicle is an expensive option. Uh, as well, because we're going to end up paying mileage for our staff when they're when they're moving from one site to another. And uh, so it's one expense or another, one way or another, we're going to have to spend some money. And uh, and we're hoping that WSPS comes up with some some standards when more information is available about how this virus is transmitted and how it can be uh, prevented, then uh, then we will change our protocols accordingly and uh, I'm very hopeful that we can put more than one person in a truck with or without plexiglass uh, if that's what's deemed ultimately the uh, the best practice uh, and approved practice. We have crew cabs so we can do the kitty corner seating right now but I'm still not 100% sure that my staff would be comfortable with that so we're, like Alan was saying, we're erring on the side of caution, uh, an overabundance of caution for the time being, and, uh, and hopefully that doesn't last too long because it is expensive. Yeah. Jamie, how about you? How are you getting your, how are you getting your people out? Uh, so typically we're a one person per vehicle um, on deliveries anyway. Uh, we have a lot of machinery to help us uh, with our deliveries. Um, so when we're out in the public eye, we are one person to a vehicle. Uh, we do have a policy, uh, if there is two people in a vehicle, uh, that masks have to be worn. Uh, we do have hand sanitizer and spray bottles in all of our vehicles. Uh, it's almost like a toolbox for, uh, uh, for somebody on a construction site, right? They have a little plastic container, almost like a, you know, you're cleaning the hotel room. They've got the sprays, the paper towels, the hand sanitizer that goes in each truck and it's owned by each driver. Um, so, you know, th those, those are the things that you can do uh, in our business because we really only ever typically would have one vehicle per one person per vehicle anyway. Tony, Tony, maybe Jamie could just touch a little bit too because he has a, a retail facing business uh, where the rest of us on the panel don't, maybe for some of the uh, garden centers and others on this, uh, this uh, town hall. So been saying how you're dealing with that and how it's been going. Yeah, so uh, from a retail, so we have closed all um, all stores. We've closed all display areas. Um, we're roped off. Um, there's no public access to those things. Uh, it's strictly a phone in, uh, curbside pickup or delivery. Um, in some in our uh, landscape supply yards, uh, retail traffic is up drastically, um, as a lot of landscapers aren't doing construction or more maintenance, uh, and that has brought on a lot of challenges. Um, and we've learned every day from those challenges what, what are better practices and best practices. Uh, great example, uh, how do you process credit cards over the phone and things of that nature, right? So having Wi-Fi, um, Moneris machines or whatever brand you use are really, really helpful. It can be left, you know, you can program, put on a pedestal outside, have people uh, process their credit cards. Um, we have uh, set up different boxes outside. So um, your pickup is in box B. Uh, please go to box B and take your items. Um, we use, ironically, we use salt bins, right? Because we sell salt bins. You you can use salt bins or other things that you have available um, uh, at your yard, whether it's carts or whatever whatever you have. Uh, you can um, 
label them and have them easy for people to pick up so that the communication on pickup is very simple and, and smooth. Um, but from a public standpoint, from a retail standpoint, I have been overwhelmed uh, with the amazing uh, ability for people to not uh, lose their cool and be pretty patient. Um, you know, our biggest problem, uh, honestly, from a retail standpoint is, you know, as a, as a wholesale distributor, uh, three or four phone lines a branch is typically okay. Uh, right now, I think in some branches, we could have 16 phone lines and, uh, you know, we would have um, some challenges there. So uh, that's a challenge we have not figured out. So keep that in mind when you get closer to, um, uh, when you get closer to uh, the day uh, of opening. So, so we have one, one more, we have time for one more question. Um, and we'll take Jackie Hart's question here. Are any of the contractors on the panel charging clients a COVID-19 compliance surcharge? That's an interesting question. Anyone want to answer it? I, we haven't decided yet in our business, there's been a bunch. So while there has been some increased costs with the government subsidies right now for wage subsidy, fuel prices coming down, um, some of our costs for vehicles being parked and working with some supply insurance and others. Um, we're managing our costs right now. We're actively looking at it to see how this is going to impact the long game. The short game, there's enough variables at play that for the most part, the mass washing out. Um, wage subsidies are going to come off in June. We have to, have to see what fuel is, and we don't know where the balance point is going to come with the uh, policies and procedures in the field because every week it's changing right now. So currently the math is kind of balancing it a little bit uh, when lots of work demand into uh, this, the schedule is going to be tighter. Um, so long term, I think that it's yet to be decided. Dave, Peter. I'm not a fan of screw charges to begin with. Uh, Dave, you're, you're muted. Go ahead. I've got all um, the um yeah, so I'm not a fan of surcharges. I can remember back when uh, trucking company, delivery companies started charging fuel surges on everything. And then when the price of fuel went down, they never took them off. Um, I know for sure that I will not be charging a, a COVID-19 uh, surcharge. Uh, what we are doing though is changing our budget almost every two weeks. We're relooking at our budget and seeing how are things changing. Um, now that I know this, how that how's that gonna affect us for the rest of the year? Um, and, and adjusting it as we go, which changes future pricing. I haven't seen anything that's been so drastic that we need to change past pricing. I would go to Jason's comment too, as you look at COVID-19 created its own stress, its own pain points. So at, almost adding a surcharge, it, exactly. it'd, be, it'd be more beneficial to put in your budgeting and your pricing than to have it as a standalone that just remind people, I think, uh, of the pain points. So I, I think I think that looks the optics of that I think is horrible having a surcharge on a pandemic. Um, my my personal opinion on that is that, that, that that's the wrong way to go. You need to recover your cost in other ways. Peter, do you have any comments? Yeah, we I mean, unfortunately for us, we did all the pricing for our work this year, last year. So I am stuck with what I've got. And uh, and again, I don't feel comfortable charging extra for the uh, for the pandemic. Uh, and like Alan was saying, as far as our budgeting is going, it's very likely that the wage subsidy will offset a lot of our additional costs in the short term. In the long term, we are adjusting our budget uh, regularly, like Dave said. And also, we're looking at our production calculators 
where having fewer people on site or having to social distance or having hand washing protocols will take more time to install a typical patio. You know, if it takes three more hours per hundred square feet, then that's going into our estimates, uh, you know, that'll start kicking in in the fall and next spring, assuming that, uh, that these policies will have to be in place for that long. Thank you. Uh, I can't believe how quickly the time's gone. It's, uh, it's over an hour already. I just want to thank all of the panelists for, for your, your great advice and your contribution to, to the entire profession. I want to thank all of the audience on the webinar. I just love how you're, you're helping each other uh, and supporting each other. Uh, and I just want to end with a few words here. Uh, it's important that, rem that we uh, remember that at the end of the day, the economy has been largely shut down to stop the spread of a de deadly virus. Public health and workplace safety will remain the top priority of the government. As an industry, it is crucial that we prepare to work in a manner where that priority is front and center in all that we do. I believe that the very best way to handle any problem or crisis is first to look in the mirror and ask yourself, how can I be part of the solution? What are you doing to prepare your company to work safely? What are you doing to communicate your safe practices to your employees and their families, to your clients and to your local MPP? At yesterday's press briefing, Vic Fidelli, the Minister of Economic Development, Job Creation and Trade, made a point of saying that sectors would be opened up based on their ability to protect their employees and the public. He suggested that everyone contact their MPPs to share their safety plans. I urge you to listen to him. Please visit the Landscape Ontario website for excellent safety resources and protocols. Use these resources to prepare your company for working. Tell your MPP about them. Together, we will get through this. We choose to plant hope. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landscape Ontario podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes every month. And if you have an idea for the show, please email me at scott at landscapeontario.com. Thanks for listening.